saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Jacob is such an interesting character in all of Scripture, isn't he? Such an interesting character. Receives the blessing but is conniving. Never trusting fully anyone else and trusting his own intuition, his own savvy, to get the job done, to get the blessing, and to move on. I was reminded in this preparation for the sermon here this morning Uh, that I often find myself as Jacob. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can relate to the desire to receive a blessing from God, to receive it, to take hold of it, to grasp it. Yet, when push comes to shove, um, you don't find yourself, and I don't find myself on my knees, wrestling, pleading with God to beg to beg, to ask for Him to give me the blessing. Matter of fact, we find ourselves with a bit of strategy behind the scenes. I know if I can, if I can get this thing right here, or help someone to help me get this thing right over here, then, then we can manufacture a way out and we'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. Can, can you relate to this? This um, not refusal to be on your knees wrestling with God, but this impulse to, um, to manipulate, to find ways in which you can manufacture that blessing from God. I think we have all been there too often in our lives. And, and I think this morning, my brothers and sisters, the simple word I know to me, so I'm preaching this as someone who has been confronted by this and I'm giving it to you because that's what preaching is a lot of the times. The Lord's preaching to me, and I'm just trying to pass it on to you. We need to be wrestling with God more than we are. We need to be wrestling with God more than we are in prayer. And here's the point of my sermon. Maybe I should just end it after this. What do y'all think about maybe a minute and a half here, two minutes in? We'll get, get to the point. Todd Higgy. Beth Hamby, Richa, Dave, Jennifer, Antonio. Your name has already been changed. Your name has been changed. You are called a beloved by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You are called beloved, a beloved daughter, daughters, beloved sons by God. You have received that ultimate blessing by God. Now strive and struggle in prayer to continue in the Christian faith, asking God to continue to bless you so that you might be a blessing to others. There it is. There's the sermon. So what do we see then in the life of Jacob? Jacob had a twin brother. His name was... Well, some of y'all didn't go through our stuff here as young kids. Our church is pretty young. You know, our, our kids would know that, but they're all over there. Jacob's brother was whom? Was Esau, his twin brother. Esau was born first. Jacob came out of the womb literally doing what? He was grasping the heel. 
Now, this word Jacob in Hebrew means or can mean a few things. One is heel grabber, one who grabs onto a heel. It can mean deceiver, okay? It can mean one who, um, who kind of manipulates as well. From the beginning of his life, he was grabbing onto his brother's heel, a foreshadowing of what his life would be like, trying to position and posture himself to get the blessing of God. Again, two thumbs up for the patriarch Jacob for wanting the blessing of God. That's maybe step one in this process. Step two, though. Step two is not to live the life that Jacob did for most of his life. It is to actually finally live the life that he lived in the darkness on this side of the Jabbok in prayer, wrestling with God, refusing to let go of him until he dispenses with a blessing for you. Jacob and Esau from the beginning, feuding. Jacob, the heel grabber, stealing the birthright. Or rather, we say stealing. I mean, Esau basically gave it. I don't, we call that stealing. I don't think that's stealing. He gave it to him because Esau was hungry. And Jacob said, look, here's a bowl of porridge or a bowl of lentils. I don't know what the translation is. So interesting, lentils and like porridge, that's a pretty big difference, pretty big translation difference, you know. I don't know, I'm more on the lentil side than porridge. But he was hungry. The birthright was taken, was taken from him by his brother Jacob, crafty, cunning. And then later on in Jacob's life, he, he, he does it again, he strikes when Isaac, their father, is about to die and he's, he's in the tent and he's wanting his family to come to him, but specifically he asks his wife, he says, look, go and get who, Jacob. No, go get Esau, my firstborn son, and bring him to me, for I want to bless him as I'm perishing, as I'm dying here of old age in this tent. And what does Jacob do? Well, he dresses up. He dresses up in, in this kind of furry, we'll just say a fur coat, all right? I don't know what the translation is on that, but it's a fur coat, mink coat. He's wearing a mink coat, and he gets in there, and he gets close to Isaac, and Isaac feels it, and he thinks that it's his, he thinks that it's his son Esau, the hairy one, the fighter, the one who is out hunting. But it's not, it's Jacob. And Jacob gets that blessing again, cunning, manipulating. But here we are again in our text. The wanting and the, the love of the blessing is still there. The love of God is still there in the heart of Jacob, but the manipulation, the constant, I can get things just right in my life without actually having to submit in prayer and wrestle with God Almighty, this is still there with him. And our text begins with Jacob doing what? Jacob, who's lived on the run for 20 years or so now from his brother, fearing for his life, has taken his wives, all of his, and, um, his, uh, his belongings, his animals, all of that, and he's done what to it? He's divided it in two. Pretty savvy, pretty smart. I mean, if I'm running around Birmingham and there's somebody who I think might be trying to take me out, I might divide, now, I only have one wife, Jennifer. She's worth two wives, but she's one. But I would divide myself up because if, if he comes and attacks me and takes me out, then that leaves What? The other stuff, right? The other stuff can continue. It's not all taken out. So again, Jacob, he's clever. He knows what he's doing. Wants to manipulate his self into a situation where he's not going to, in fact, lose or be capable of losing. So then here we are. He's divided everything. And night comes. And he's on, he's on, um, he's on this side of the Jabbok River. And he sins... He sends some over across, but he is found 
with the other encampment? What's he found? He's found how? How's he found? He's found alone. He's found alone. And then this mysterious man, this, this messenger, you know, the early church fathers said this was actually a prefiguring of Christ coming to battle with him. Maybe it was a prefiguring of our Lord before he became incarnate. Maybe it was an angel. I don't know. Maybe it was um, a theophany. We don't know fully, but he struggles. He battles with this man. But have you thought about what Jacob might be thinking in that moment in the darkness? He's in the darkness. He knows that he's about to enter into the land that is Esau's, and he's probably about to be killed. As I was reading this, I thought, maybe, maybe if I were Jacob, I would think that this man that's coming after me, maybe this is Esau. Maybe, he's, maybe it's a surprise attack. Maybe it's one of his men that are coming to kill me. But we see throughout this narrative that Jacob realizes this wasn't any man that he was battling with, but it was God himself. Let's look at the text here, brothers and sisters. Genesis 32. Let's begin in verse 22. The same night he arose, Jacob, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. It occurred to me, brothers and sisters, that, that this man of God, this divine being, could have put Jacob's elbow out of socket, could have put his shoulder out of socket, something else, but he chose the hip. He chose the hip because at this point in Jacob's life, his ability to manipulate and to maneuver was found in his legs, fleeing his brother, fleeing what was coming for the way that he had stolen the birthright and the blessing from his brother. His legs, his hip. The Lord wounded the very thing in Jacob's life that was keeping him um, from submitting fully, finally to God himself, from giving himself over to God fully. Well, you ask, how did he give himself over to God fully in this? Because it seems that he won in the text. The text makes it very clear that, he, that the man said, look, you're prevailing against me. Let me go, for the day is at hand. But I would say this, that in this story we see that the man of God, God himself, asked Jacob his name. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me very clearly in this. The man of God asked Jacob his name, and Jacob says, you know, my name is Jacob, Jacob. Deceiver, heel grabber, manipulator, a confession of who he is, who his identity is. Manipulator, deceiver, heel grabber. You know, in, in ancient times, to confess your name was was to confess your entire being, giving his being over to this mysterious messenger, this divine being with whom he's grappling. He confesses who he is. I'm Jacob. Then he said, that is the man, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. That word Israel means God fights or the Lord fights or the Lord prevails Imagine that moment in time, being Jacob, hearing you're confessing that name that has described how you have lived your entire life to, to Yahweh, 
that is trying to get in position to get what you um, feel like should be yours or to protect yourself in situations. And finally, your name now is being changed. And God has said, this man of God has said, your name now is Israel. God will prevail. God is victorious. We often stop there. We think, okay, well, he, his name was, was changed. That's, that's great. Now, this wasn't included in our story, but what happens when Jacob finally meets Esau later? What happens? Does Esau kill him? What does Esau do? He receives him. He receives him, and with tears, he embraces him. The thing that Jacob thought was absolutely impossible, and finally God put him in a a situation in the middle of night that he could not manipulate his way out of other than clinging on to this divine being saying, this is my only chance is to hold on to you until you bless me. And what happened? His name was changed to the Lord is victorious. And how was God victorious? There was reconciliation between Jacob and Esau. Jacob would become Israel and his sons would be the tribes of God's people. Our Lord Jesus Christ being linked, of course, to Jacob. What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture we see in this story. And we, often so, uh, we, we so often in the church get hung up with his hip was, was marred and he's got a limp from now on and that was a reminder. And yes, I'm sure it was a reminder that the Lord had touched him and that through this divine wound, Jacob was saved. What a beautiful imagery. But let me say this, brothers and sisters, that the changing of his name was even more important than the wounding of the name was just as important, maybe more important than the wounding of that hip. For the wound was the reminder for the rest of his life. But the true identity was the name changed. So brothers and sisters, let me say this. You are called to wrestle with God and struggle with Him in prayer. Saying, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me and then receive what he is going to give you. You say, how can I say that? I don't know the future. I do know that God is good. And we see even in the parable that Deacon Zach read for us, Jesus tells this parable so that his disciples and apostles and followers would know how to pray, to pray and be persistent in your prayer and hang on, knowing at the end of the day, there could be a wound. There could be a wound. But it's through that wound you are saved. And we think about this with the imagery, the imagery of our Lord, who through the wounds on the cross wrought salvation for you and for me. What a, what a beautiful picture that we're seeing here. Let me read a quote by a theologian that I think gets at this um, so, so good. He, he, sa- he says this, and what is more, Jacob, who receives a new name and becomes Israel, also, at the end, gives a new name to the place where he wrestled with God, where he prayed. He renames it Peniel, which means the face of God. Brothers and sisters, at the end of this account, Jacob, knowing that he wrestled with God and had prevailed in receiving a blessing from God, renamed the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. 
Brothers and sisters, in many ways, our entire lives are a type of Jacob in the night wrestling with God. At least they should be. And I want you as your priest, I want you to know as your priest that, um, that you all are called to pray, called to be persistent, called to wrestle, to know that God is in fact blessing you and will bless you. And then finally, at the end of our lives, brothers and sisters, we can look back on the course of our lives and we can rename our entire life Peniel, that we saw the face of God in our life that was pointing to the face of God that we will behold for eternity on the other side of our Jabbok, on the other side of that river that awaits all of us. Let me finally close with this. There are some of you that have been struggling in prayer for a long time with one thing or another. Let me remind you not to give up, to continue to pray, to continue to cling to God, the only one who can deliver you. But let, let me remind you, too, that some of you have received um, wounds or you've received um, some things that have given discomfort in your life that were actually given by God as a reminder of what He is doing to you, the sanctification that is coming. Because finally, brothers and sisters, isn't our lives as Christians actually not only a wounding, but a death? A death from sin. A death from this way of living to finally life found in Christ across that Jabbok that we see finally with Jacob and his brother Esau embracing reconciliation giving by God Almighty. Don't give up, brothers and sisters. And finally, as our Second Timothy passage says, not only don't give up, don't give in to the myths and the teachings of this world that are going to promise that you can get through this life without wounding, that you can manipulate things to your own advantage without God. Flee that and cling to the man of God that is Jesus Christ. Read his word, receive the sacrament, be in prayer, and be a community that is showing the face of God to one another, that even our church here might be renamed in one way or another, Peniel, that in this church through faithfulness we have seen the face of God. Amen.